Well, good evening and welcome again to Wednesday worship. As we were worshiping there and as I was thinking about the video testimony we're going to hear in a minute, I was thinking about those near-death experiences that we have from, from time to time where, as they say, our lives flash before our eyes. And then I was thinking about the liturgy of a burial and how it talks about being united with Christ and washed in holy baptism, and then so-and-so was fed from your table and the fellowship around the table, and it's a foretaste of the heavenly banquet. I was just thinking about what a gift we have in being united with Christ in baptism and then invited to his table. And tonight, we're going to hear a testimony um, that's an experience with death. And I want to give you a, just a slight tip off of where it's going so that afterwards, as I, as I lead us into communion, um, you can be watching throughout the video for these things. And there are two things that, that really struck, struck me as I watched the video earlier in the week. One is the power and privilege of prayer and what a difference prayer makes. And then also the gift of Christian community and having people that know and love you who walk with the Lord and are the kind of people that can pray for you and what a gift that is. So those two things I want you to watch for as we go through this uh, testimony. Tonight's um, video is from Francine Marshall, and um, she's here tonight, I believe, somewhere. So um, you guys can go ahead and roll the video, and then we'll look at some scriptures after. Francine Marshall and my family and I have been going to Grace for about eight years now and um, I currently am here in the church. I serve with the healing prayer ministry team and um, I just love it. So I really wanted to share more about that aspect of it, how healing prayer um, made a huge difference in my life. It was um, Christmas time. We had my son had just got married. We had a huge wedding and and um, lots of out of town guests and very we were very excited. And then it was Christmas and all the busyness of Christmas. And right before the Christmas uh, week, we went to SeaWorld and spent the day there. And my family and I, you know, I was rushing from one show. We wanted to make sure I got all the different shows in. And it was at the end of the day and saw the fireworks. Headed home. Well, the very next day, my husband um, said he, he didn't feel well, and later we found out he had come down with the flu. And then by that evening, I felt like I was coming down with the flu, which of course I began to panic because it was Christmas week, and I had so much still to do. And, and so, but you know, I was convinced that maybe just be a 24-hour bug. But Christmas Eve and Christmas Day were kind of like a, a blur. Um, but what I remembered is that I, I felt like I couldn't breathe. And so I thought that maybe I, um, I was coming down with pneumonia. And um, so anyhow, the day after Christmas, we, uh, my husband took me to the ER. I thought I was just going to go, get checked out, get a shot or two, and then come home. Well, um, what happened was they, um, I could tell by the looks on their faces that I was not going home. My heart was in AFib and they didn't know how long it had been beating this fast and there was real danger of blood clots so um, so that's why they had to admit me to the cardiac care unit 
and um, to monitor me for blood clots and to bring my heart rate back down again. And the whole time I'm thinking, I can't believe this. Like, I'm a healthy person. I've been like a runner for 30 some years. I eat healthy. I do all the right things. How could I be a cardiac care patient? Like, that was incredible to me. So, you know, it was just, uh, it was like being in a bad dream. Did the test, which is a, um, uh, an echo test on the heart and and it showed that my heart was only working at 10% so um, that's not very good that means it's pumping the blood out of your heart at only you know 10% and it's that's you know not very not very good at all they began to say that I was in heart failure so that you know really came as, as a huge as a huge shock and surprise to me um, they decided to give me a a new drug, but they can only administer it in the hospital because um, one of the side effects is death. <laughs> so, um, but it's less than one percent. They assured me it's less than one percent, so you don't need to worry. I didn't know it at the time, but she had already pressed, you know, the emergency button for the crash cart to come and for the doctors, and um, because they knew my heart was getting ready to stop, it, the, the drug had slowed my heart all. It was slowing it down where it wasn't working at all. So within a, um, that was the last memory that I had and my heart did stop. And um, so she, you know, um, she put the, the pads on my heart and, and shocked it back. But, um, you know, the last thing I remember was that it was my husband and the nurse and then um, actually the, my husband said it was about 15 to 20 minutes later when I woke up and there was a whole room of people, medical people, all around my bed, doctors and nurses. And so that was, it was kind of very shocking when I woke up and I saw all these people staring at me and, and wondering why. But at that time, um, I knew I had already known something really you know, wild had happened. I'd had um, really an out-of-body experience where I literally, um, I could see the room. I could see the, the hospital room that I was in and I, I, and I began to rise above my body and I could look down on the room with all the people there and I, and I couldn't really, like I didn't really understand what they were saying. It was like they spoke a different language. But I, I could hear all the noise and the voices, and and I remember just feeling just so overwhelmingly at peace, not worried or anxious, um, just sort of observing them in the room, and and then I began to feel as if I was getting ready to leave the room. It was a, it was just a sense of it was time to go, and and at that moment, um, it was like this incredible. Um, sensation of having to come back and like break through a force field literally just um, I, I can't explain it but it, it I think it, that's when they brought me back to life so it was like a force field from you know being in a different place so anyhow um, when I realized that I've had an out-of-body experience and that my heart had actually stopped that was kind of a, a lot traumatically to get used to um, you know you think a lot about your life and how quickly it, it can be over. And like, by that time, I had sent out so many prayer requests, to emergency prayer, 911 calls to everyone I knew to put me on prayer list, and I had many people come to the hospital and pray with me. Actually, Elizabeth came from, from this church, and she prayed with me, and 
she had put her her hand on my heart and we were just praying together and and literally you know she, she took her hand away she had said you know she had felt almost like like god had pushed pushed her hand off and said i got this and th- at the same time my experience was that i could just feel this radiating heat spread through my body and and before that i had been very anxious and fear very anxious and fearful but it was it was like total peace and i just knew it, everything was going to be okay i remember thinking in the you know in the in the hospital when when the cardioversions weren't working and um, and I had had such a bad reaction to the medication and I, and I truthfully at that point I, I really wasn't sure if I were if I was going home or not you know if if um, how serious it was and because I kept hearing the word heart failure and and so I wasn't sure um, you know I wasn't sure how how you know how quickly I would, would get to go home. And I remember just in that moment of prayer, um, just crying out to the Lord. You know, it makes me cry, but just saying, God, where are you? You know, why, why have you, why aren't you helping me? Like, and why don't I, why don't I feel your presence? I, I pray, you know, I've been praying the whole time and I don't feel your presence. And, and it feels like I'm here all alone. And I, and, and, I think truly that that was like the darkest, like that was just a real um, spiritual darkness for me. Feeling that, that where are you, asking those questions, I felt as if you know, I could just hear Satan speak to me, the enemy, you know, just say, he's, you know, he, he doesn't care about you, you're here all alone, you know, or, or maybe your faith isn't real. Maybe, you know, believing that God heals, maybe that's, you know, maybe it's, it's not true. You know, you, and so you just begin to, you see all the doubt coming in and all the, those, you know, the dark night of the soul when you question, you really question your faith. And um, so anyhow, uh, later that evening, I felt like I heard God say to me, Francine, do you love me? Of course, Lord, you know that I love you. And uh, again, I heard it, you know, it's like, Peter, <laughs> Francine, do you really love me? And I said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then he said, um, you have to trust me. Sometimes there's things you go through that, you know, you're not going to know the reason why you're going through it, that it's not going to, it won't make any sense. And you see the circumstances and they don't make sense to you, but you just have to you have to trust in my character and you have to trust in who I am and my promises and all that you know you know to be true about my word and after that was settled in my mind you know and I really believe that if I went home or I didn't go home you know I would not again question is God real or is God here or does God care and so that you know well after that was I had peace, and it was like, that's settled, that issue settled, you know, that no matter what, if I never understand, you know, what happened or why, it's okay, and, um, and I think that brought a lot of strength as well. The other part of that, I think, was just all the people 
who came in and prayed for me. There were so many that, that even people that here that worked at the hospital, um, and they came in on their, you know, in, in their, on their breaks when they got off their shifts, and um, and and I just think the sense of community whenever you're going through something that's really difficult, and 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 to have a church where you you're not going through it alone. You have people. They were so gracious, and I and I really I saw later that it's when when I asked the question, God, where are you? That. Um, you know, at the time I couldn't see it, but later, after I had gone through the experience, I realized that God was—he was—he was everywhere. He was in the doctors, the nurses that offered to pray with me and were praying for me. The you know people who came to visit when I got home, all the people who brought meals and and gifts and and came and visited and and walked with me when I could barely walk just down the road. I mean. I realized that God was in all those places and all those people. You know, He He shows up. He shows up in His people when they, you know, when they just they just come. They just come and sit with you, and that's when you see God. Well, I think from this experience, I mean, I like that I'm on this side of it <laughs> with a healthy heart versus on the other side. But I think. What I have learned is that, um, you know, it, there, we all go through those times where we feel like we're all alone. And you have been dropped in the midst of this really hard place, and it, and it feels like, um, you know, it feels like you're all alone there. And, and, and you, it's easy to want to just, instead of reach out to people, it's easy to want to just pull away and, um, and try to go through it by yourself. But then you miss the blessing. You miss the blessing of um, of God showing up in ways that so many unexpected ways through His people, through all the people who who truly do want to reach out to you and help and come alongside of you and help you you know get through this tough time and being vulnerable and and allowing people in to see what you're going through. It, it changes you. And it also, you know, blesses the people that come and are, are able to, you know, to be there for you and to truly show God's grace and love and mercy. In those hard places when you feel, um, you know, you're not even sure if you're going to make it through or, or if you can handle what you're going through, you, you, to remember, you know, all the things that God taught you in the good places, you know, and all the good times, you know, all that, I think that's the preparation is, is the time that you spend in His Word and the time you spend in fellowship with others, the time you spend in prayer, you see that that God is who He says He is and God will do what He says He will do. It's not always on our timing. It's not like you get to pick and choose, you know, like, um, this is the trial I want God or that's the trial. You know, He picks them for you. You know, I would never have picked, Lord, let me be a heart patient and send me into CCU and, you know, go through all of these procedures. I would never choose that, ever. And I think that's true of all of us, that we, we don't get to pick and choose what trials we will end up in. But God always meets us. He's always gone before us. He's always prepared the way. And He always puts people all, you know, all along your path that are there to help and are there to make that journey a little less painful. And, and you just see God. You know, you see His fingerprints everywhere. I think it's hard to see it when you are only looking at everything that's wrong 
or, or, or the things that are painful, it's when you begin to see and really um, have a grateful heart and you see the blessings and all the things you have to be thankful for. Having been on the other side and, and seeing the power of healing prayer, it, it doesn't just, it's not just healing for your physical body. Like it dispels the darkness, you know, it's like those, you have a lot of dark moments, especially when you're going through an illness. And, and prayer, it, it's like it comes in and just pushes that darkness back and it lets the light in so that you feel peace and warmth and joy. It gave me hope, you know, when I just felt hopeless. So I really, I, I so much more believe in, the, I always believed in the power of prayer. That's why I've been in prayer ministry. But but now, even more so in healing prayer, especially for, you know, physical healing or um, deep emotional wounds, I see that prayer works, that it, it is powerful, that it does make a difference. And, and it's not the same. It's not the same that you just, you pray for yourself, though that's good. There's something very powerful in letting other people pray for you and with you that you, you really see a difference. I want you to turn with me in the Bible to Hebrews, page 1007 in the Pew Bible. To Hebrews 10, beginning in verse 19. I'm going to read verses 19 through 25. Let's listen to God's word. The writer says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Thanks be to God for his word. As I said, I want to focus briefly on prayer and also on community. And that's one of the best texts in the scriptures about meeting together and the importance of Christian community. As a pastor, I'm often in conversations with people and I obviously I very much love the church and love seeing the strength of the church and work for it. And I find sometimes people saying, well, you know, why should, why should I go to church? Why should I be part of the church? And they're usually saying that in really good times in their lives when they're doing well and they're not having challenges. But what happens when the hardships come and they find themselves alone? They find themselves unprepared. And what Francine said in that video was that through all the prayer and the worship and being part of a community, she was prepared for a hardship when it came. And what a blessing that was. Some neglect 
Christian community, as that passage from Hebrews said. Others take it for granted. You've got a church. You're the ones who have the risk, I think, of taking it for granted. You're here tonight. The ones who are neglecting it are not. And so what a gift that is that you've got Christian community. But do you see it as a gift from God and a blessing? Spiritual friendship, friendship where Christ is at the center of it, is a gift from God. And it's a blessing to us. And I, the question I ask is, when I need it most, who will pray for me? And also, who am I learning to pray for? Am I learning the language of prayer? Am I learning the different types of prayer? And how to be a minister of prayer to other people when they need it? I think of that really uh, graphic scene from the book of Exodus in chapter 17 when the Amalekites are attacking the nomadic Israelites as they're wandering in the wilderness. And it says that Moses prayed for the people and he would hold up his hands like this. And as he was holding his hands up, they were winning. But then all day it went on and his arms were getting heavy. And when he let his arms down, they started losing. And they finally propped up a big stone for him to sit on. And so instead of standing, he's, you know, now he's, he's sitting on a stone and he's like this. And then his arms are getting heavy. And then Moses, uh, his brother Aaron and her come over and they hold up his arms. So he's not even using any muscles. He's like this. And they're holding his arms up. And, and in doing so, they're winning the battle. And that goes on all day. And then the Israelites prevail. So you've got Moses praying for people, and then you've got people supporting Moses in his prayer for people and probably praying for him as well, and the power of that and the picture of that in community. And I think what a gift that is to us. One of the things that is hard is that it's also God's will in our situation here for Christians to be intermingled with unbelievers. In Jesus' parable of the, the farmer that sowed the seed, the, the enemy came and sowed bad weeds in the same field, and they don't know until it's grown up fairly high, wait, that's not wheat. Did you use bad seed? No, the enemy did this. Should we tear it out? No, don't tear it out. You'll uproot the wheat, let it all grow together, and then when it's harvest time, then we'll separate it out. So God has placed us out in the world, and it's a mixed group, and we take for granted Christian friendship and people who know the Lord who would be willing to pray for us and that we have the privilege and, and responsibility of praying for. And I think of Francine, what a great picture. She's on the prayer ministry, but then a day comes when she needs prayer and there are people there for her. I have a, a, a book here by Dietrich Bonhoeffer called Life Together. It's a very little work, but it's marvelous about Christian community and the power of that. And as you know, probably most of you, he was executed by the Nazis at the end of World War II um, and had earlier been the head of a seminary where he lived in intentional community with people. But then there were times when he was in prison all alone. And he writes in this book, reflecting on his time leading that seminary, he says, um, it is by the grace of God that a congregation is permitted to gather visibly in this world and to share God's word and sacrament. Not all Christians receive this blessing. The imprisoned, the sick, the scattered, lonely, the proclaimers of the gospel in heathen lands stand alone. As we come to the table tonight, there are two things, which I started with earlier, that I think are so important. One is to cherish the blessing of Christian fellowship and being connected to a body of believers. 
You are the church and you are part of the church. And what a gift that is. Give God thanks for that. And the second is receive the gift of prayer. I'm surprised sometimes that every Wednesday we offer prayer and we have trained people who are very good and anointed at praying for others available and we don't take advantage of it. If I wasn't strapped to this microphone and doing all the stuff I have to do, I would be the first in line over there. And anytime I've had that opportunity, I jump on it. I want to encourage you to go for prayer. Let the prayer team minister to you, even if you don't have a big thing going on in your life. And also to learn how to pray for others and to practice it in your family, with friends, potentially with coworkers or people who don't know the Lord yet. You might be the the only one who can talk to God. They don't know how, and you can do it for them. So cherish Christian community and cherish the gift of prayer. Now tonight, we'll have communion as we do each Wednesday. The prayer team will also receive communion first and be on that side of the church in teams. Even if somebody's over there, we can, you can line up for them and, and get prayer tonight. Take advantage of that. Now as we come to the table, I wanna start with prayer, and I wanna invite you to kneel, and we're gonna join in together praying the Lord's Prayer, and then I'll go right from the Lord's Prayer and roll into the Eucharistic Prayer at the table.